Kia ora, and welcome to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast, brought to you by CoreLogic, produced by Agents TV, for the 5th of September, 2022. I'm Head of Research, Nick Goodall, and I'm joined by Chief Economist Calvin Davidson down in Christchurch. Calvin, how are you, mate? Did you enjoy a good Father's Day yesterday? Yes, going well here, thank you. And, and yes, I did actually. Father's Day was really good. It was sunny, really nice weather, and so it was, it was perfect. And uh, my three-year-old daughter actually sort of, she, I think she's, you know, it's interesting to see the development. She actually acknowledged that this thing's happened to other people, not just sort of her birthday or her Christmas or when she's getting presents. Um, so, that, so that was actually quite cool, you know, seeing that kind of development. So, um, yep, as I say, nice sunny weather and, uh, you know, I felt a little bit at the centre of attention, which uh, I don't always like, to be honest, but uh, but it was, it was it was really good and good to see the, the kids kind of growing up. So um, going well. How about you? Yeah, good on you. I mean, um, our youngest, she's, what, two and a half, and she... I think she still hasn't quite got there, but she definitely she picked a gift for me apparently. But it was chocolate, which I know that she'll think she's given it to me because she knows she'll get some back. So <laughs> maybe she's you know she still gave it to me, but I'm sure she's expecting to get some of that back. So maybe we've got that yet to come. But um, look, a bit of a bit of an odd weekend for me, I suppose. Not really a usual one. I ended up going to um, up to Whangarei um, for a very good friend of mine, Mum's, who passed away. So we had a funeral on Saturday. So yeah, a bit of an odd one, and um, and then travelled with him back. Uh, we drove back from Whangarei to Wellington yesterday. So a bit of a long day and got home late last night. So yeah, look, a bit of a strange weekend. Didn't even see the kids in person um, on Father's Day, but did get my gifts this morning. So um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a strange one. Um, but we got to send off my mate's mum really, really nicely on Saturday. And you know, it was it was as good as funerals can be, I suppose. And and just good to see, you know, reconnect with some old old friends back there and 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 uh, some of his family and whatnot as well. So, yeah, pretty pretty odd, but uh, also a special day. So, yeah, kind of just chalk that one down and, and try and move on, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, not not your usual, that's for sure. No, no, funerals are never nice, are they? I suppose the phrase you used, uh, as good as you can hope for, which is, is probably about the best way to describe them. Yeah. So, uh, no, sorry to hear that. But uh, Loretta's on to it with um, getting gifts for other people that she can get some of clever strategy exactly yeah that's smart <laughs> smart things I'm, I'm proud of how cheeky she is yeah exactly yeah. okay mate well um let's get into things anyway um and look, looking back at the data last week of course the first thing to talk about is the CoreLogic house price index data for august which were released to market late last week i think you know in terms of the headlines that we we ran with it was about the fact that downturn was absolutely further entrenched um the values or the house price index dropped 1.8 percent over the month which did accelerate from previous months, which sort of were ticking along just under 1% fall for the last four or so months before that. So I think it does just sort of start show that that downturn sort of accelerating, um, you know, maybe just a, 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 the trend really growing, that momentum growing for the downward side of things. And I think that just shows that that power really has switched to those buyers. Everyone knows the market's on the downturn. So, you know, that almost encourages more behavior to just offer lower, lower prices, um, and you know, I suppose it just you just see that further momentum happen in that market when you see um, the downturn become more entrenched and and more consistent across the country too. So um, that's kind of the, the the part that we were talking about in terms of different localities. Look, it was pretty consistent across the country in terms of that weakness. Um, but from the main centres, Auckland, Wellington, Dunedin, all did fall by more than two percent over the month. So you know, pretty significant falls on a monthly um, basis. And the other side we talked about from a national perspective was 
um, you know, the 3.5% down in the last quarter, is getting down towards that, that sort of trough or the, the worst rate of fall um, that happened in the GFC 2008 when it was about 4.4% down on a quarterly basis. So we sort of talked about the fact the market has actually, you know, it's drifting towards those um, those low points that we saw in the GFC, which is interesting considering this one has still been pretty gradual um, and controlled, I suppose we talk about, but um, but it has been happening, you know, consistently for a wee while and it's led to those greater falls and, and certainly that market's changed dramatically now than, than what it was, you know, 10 or so months ago. So that's sort of the, the main points. I think the other thing I took the opportunity to talk about was, you know, as per usual, what's the outlook for the market? Um, and I just, you know, mentioned the fact there is potential for the light at the end of the tunnel for this downturn. And that's mostly due to these interest rate expectations potentially being close to their peak. And we know how much of an influence affordability is in the market. Affordability is a reflection of interest rates and where they're at. So if they are getting close to peak and, and potentially starting to fall in a year's time, then people might start to expect the, the trough to be coming. And of course, as you know, as consumer behavior tends to dictate, if we expect the fall to be coming, we'll jump in sooner and almost create the, the, the trough ourselves. So it's an interesting one to see how it plays out. We're not saying that the, the downturn's over yet, but certainly that the uh that there might be that turnaround coming within the next, I don't know, before the end of the year, um, early next year anyway. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that sort of covers off everything um pretty got some pretty decent media mostly focused on all those headline figures um anything you picked up on with uh coverage or any discussions you had or, or any detail i missed out uh not too much uh that, that hasn't been covered I, I suppose i'd just add a little point around uh the the technical statistical measures and and you know we're in we're still in a downturn where prices are falling but and you know, 1.8% month on month on the latest result. So, you know, from here, it could be that that actually they keep falling, but at a slower rate, you know, so it goes to minus 1.5, then minus 1.2, that, that sort of thing. So I suppose there's, there's a bit of chat in there about I mean, Tony Alexander's phrase is you know entering the end game for the downturn. So not saying that prices are suddenly going to stop falling straight away, but sort of entering that that final stage is, is his phrasing. And I suppose part of that statistically is, is that rate of change staying negative, but perhaps less negative. And so that, that could be the next phase, you know. Um, I mean, it could be that, that on our index, there's another pretty chunky fall next month, maybe the next couple of months. But after that, then, then that pace of decline slows rather than actually turning positive or going to zero, but it stays negative and, and just at a, at a smaller negative. So, um, yeah, I suppose that's just the thing it's probably starting to get to that point where we're, where we're watching for that kind of thing starting to come through, especially if interest rates have peaked. Not so sure about that. And it's seen that actually um, I think Westpac this morning might have pushed rates back up again. So, you know, there's a – we've been cautious about that whole interest rate story anyway, that maybe they've peaked, maybe they haven't. But, you know, you've, you've certainly got to acknowledge the uncertainty globally around – official cash rates around the world have we really got inflation under control so even though mortgage rates have been flat for a while i was always a little bit cautious have they truly peaked and you know, maybe we're we're seeing a little bit of that upside now coming coming through again with that uncertainty so yeah everything's everything's uncertain as always but um yeah just maybe getting to those final stages interest rates even if they do go back up a little bit uh, probably are certainly closer to the peak than than the trough so yeah that's that's a little light at the end of the tunnel but um yeah just got to keep watching month to month i guess yeah absolutely yeah no, i think that's a good 
good couple of pickups there in terms of, like, say, that rate of growth slowing or rate of fall slowing, um, and what that, and you know, and how we how we commentate that, you know, the words you use around that because it will be an interesting one once we see that that start to change. Um, but yeah, I, I agree in terms of expectation being not for a couple of months anyway. Um, so yeah, certainly one to watch. But uh, yeah, we can leave that one there. And I just wanted a um, few economic releases last week. So in terms of um, you know data that came out last week around the economic situation, the one that we've been watching quite closely, of course, is um, filled jobs. So you know how many jobs have been filled over the last month or, or so. And, and I know we saw another rise in those filled jobs according to Stats New Zealand, and and likelihood of you know further evidence that that greater property price falls are being protected by the strength of our economy and that tight labour market. So, yeah, you you checked out that data, mate. What was the actual figure? And, um, yeah, any other broader commentary on, on those those data? Yeah, so Phil Jobs, this is July numbers, up half a percent month on month. That's, that's seasonally adjusted. So uh, another good result reflected the services sector. So that, that's kind of the biggest part of our, our economy anyway. So that that... Yeah, it was a good result. Drove up that total half a percent. It's something like the you know the, the tenth or eleventh rise in the, in the past twelve or thirteen months, something like that. There was a little bit of a blip around the start of this year with uh, that, that sort of Omicron wave that, that kind of introduced a little bit of uncertainty. But it's it's been a continued, sustained, steady rise in, in this field jobs measure, uh, keeping that downwards pressure on the unemployment rate. So it's uh, you know just a a good result from a wider economic perspective. I mean, obviously in the housing market, whether you see it as good or bad is, is depending on your point of view. Uh, I suppose, you know, would-be first-time buyers would see it as bad because, uh, you know, they want prices to fall further. But, you know, it's I think from that wider perspective of, of our economic health and, and financial stability, you know, you have to look at rising jobs as a good thing, of course, and, and rising wages now too. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly a good result. And like you say, kind of, putting some kind of floor into the property market, not preventing falls, but I suppose stopping those falls getting even worse, I guess, is, is the story for the moment. And, um, yeah, so a good result. We'll, we'll, we'll see, obviously, next month and the month after, but just for now, it's it's encouraging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think I've got too much to add there. Um, yeah, just, just that, you know, it does show the strength um, and it still seems expectations after that to continue. So, you know, I suppose that unemployment rate, which everyone's watching, is likely to stay relatively low when we get the next figures for that one too. Um, okay, mate, then moving on um, into the building consent side of things. Now, um, I mean, yeah, you give you, get your take on this one. Of course, building consent data for July did remain high, but is the actual turning point finally here, Calvin? <laughs> I'm, I'm prepared to say yes. Uh, you know, so these... Um, these dwelling consent numbers for July, the overall total was down 3% from a year ago. So that's the second annual decline in a row. Now that hasn't happened for quite a long time. So to have two falls in a row is, I think does mark the turning point. Uh, we've still got strong numbers for townhouses. I think you have to acknowledge that, that the mix of consents, even though the total was down, uh, that's very much driven by standalone dwellings. Those townhouses or uh, you know semi-detached, whatever you want to call them, uh, are still going up. And, and especially around Auckland, that share of the total reflecting those smaller dwellings is, is just going up and up and up. So it's a really strong concentration on, on smaller dwellings. But overall, the, the total was down from a year ago, second decline in a row. 
so yeah, I think I think the turning points here, and you can see it in the consenting numbers, and just look at everything else going on around those those inquiries to, to builders that we're hearing about are down, costs are up, you know, materials, all of these issues. We've been talking about them for a long time, and sort of expecting this this turning point to come through, and, and I think it, I think it's here. Um, you've got to also acknowledge it's from a very high level, though. We're still looking at you know, fifty thousand dwelling consents on an annual basis. So it's it's from a very high level, but I think now the question really becomes, well, if except that we're at the turning point, then the question is, well, how far does it go? Now we know that after the GFC, it got very very deep that that downturn in construction activity, people lost staff, and that was a big hindrance to the recovery that we needed. So um, so yeah, again, the the question now is is how deep, and I think like we might have talked about last week or the week before, whichever one it was. Yeah, the vibe at that master builders conference was was for a slowdown, but people weren't panicking by any means. You know, an expectation that there's still going to be work to be done. You know, we still need to to make up for shortfalls. People still need housing. Uh, the government's prepared to to step in with various support measures. We've got the LVRs and the, and the tax measures which incentivise new builds. So yeah, I, I guess a, a an expectation or a, or a hope that, that the downturn doesn't get as deep as in the past. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. And you've got to keep in mind as well that these are just dwelling consents. Um, there's, there's been so many approved previously that builders themselves will be busy for a while yet, even if consents do tail off. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's sort of there's a lot going on around that constructions in there. And, and then you've got the issue of, well, how many consents actually get turned into houses and, and how many are we knocking down? What's the true net change in the housing stock? So there's a, there's a lot there, a lot of different ways to measure it huge number of different measures of construction and how, how many houses we might have and how many are being built. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting area to keep an eye on. But for now, for me, it does look like that consents number has turned down. Then the question is you know, how deep it goes over the next year or two. And fingers crossed it's it's not as deep as in the past. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's been my sort of side pet project for a while. I was trying to, you know, improve the information and um, transparency of what's going on in the new build sector. You know, from consent through to completion, and like you say, how you actually count what a new build and a net change in, in construction is. Um, so, you know, keen to talk to different people in the industry about that. So, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to you know advance things there. Um, I think that yeah, your point on you know if we're at the turning turning point, then how does the slowdown operate? Again, is it relatively controlled? Um, and there was that those, that that forecast from MB and Brands, which looked like yeah, it was a pretty gradual decline over the next whatever it was ten or so years down to about 32 or 34,000 consents per year, which is still, you know, pretty decent numbers. And I think that's the key thing here is we want that pipeline to remain full. We know it's pretty full at the moment. Builders have got plenty of work to get done over the next year or two. Um, but if we're not engaging with development and, and construction firms now off the plan to, to, to keep building in two years' time or whatever it is, um, then that's obviously when the when it could come a bit, bit more um, bit more shock to the market. So it's about keeping that going. And then, like you said, the build-ready development pathway i think it's called from the government to try and provide that backstop and give confidence and and consistency to that development sector to keep engaging in new projects um and with that with that backing from the government to give them that you know confidence they can continue to do that so i think like you say there's a number of things here there is an expectation of a, a comeback from the heights but but much more orderly than we've seen in the past so you know fingers crossed touch wood that uh, the bust cycle won't quite be as bust or at, 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 or bust at all as we've seen in the past, and it certainly seems like you know settings are different now to to you know guard against that too. So um, yeah, very hopeful of that being the case. Um, 
Awesome, mate. Well, uh, the, other, the other one I want to touch about too was around business confidence. And I think we spoke about consumer confidence last week or the week before, which did actually improve a little. And so has business confidence in August improving just a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, it really is this potential further evidence of people, you know, and this is this is a, a market that's impacted by people's sentiment and consumer behavior and, you know, market economics. Um, that there is evidence here of people feeling like that light at the end of the tunnel is appearing as well. You know, we talked about the, with interest rates and the influence they have, maybe this is a reflection of that too for businesses that they are sort of feeling a bit better than they had at, uh, in the last few months, even though it hasn't jumped significantly or, you know, gotten to massively positive territory. At least it's not worsening each uh, each month either. Yeah, that's. I think that this is my key point about these surveys is that, it's, and like with the house price growth, it's almost the next few months could be less bad you know, but do you do you perceive less bad to be actually good? You know, and, and on these um, on these ANZ measures, you know, so the, the the business confidence measure for August did did improve, but it's from a very low base, so it was it was definitely less bad, but still quite bad. Now I think there's there's different ways to interpret it, and, and you know, over if it's if it keeps getting a little bit less bad. Does the public mood actually start to interpret that as as outright good, and, and people start to see light at the end of the tunnel and, and feel a bit more positive, even though the actual number is, is still not that great? So you know, the the I suppose the uh, the effect on mood can be disproportionately large, maybe. And and you you know you look at businesses still fairly pessimistic. Uh, do actually people start interpreting that as outright optimistic? So yeah, I, I'd just be careful around all of that. And like like I say, with price growth. Uh, it might be it might be less negative, um, but it's still negative. So yeah, that that's, it feels like a bit of a ramble there. But I, I guess my short point is on, on business confidence. It did improve, but just let's keep in, in mind that context that it's it's still still negative and and still quite low. Um, but some good stuff there as well. I, I looked at the uh, hiring intentions number from that business confidence survey, and that's that's still okay. So yeah, we there's this little bit of a I suppose a a disconnect maybe that a little bit of a difference between what people are saying what they're actually doing um, we're seeing that the labor market hold up but 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 firms are reporting that they're, they're actually not that confident so there's yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances going on in all of the figures at the moment so a lot to keep an eye on but but yeah it's when you take a step back from all of that it's got to be a good thing that the numbers come up off the floor a little bit and, and let's hope it continues and and actually, at some point in the next next few months, next three to six months, it actually does go positive, and you know we we can feel a bit more uh, confident that we're really on that recovering trend. So, um, yeah, everything's got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know our point is always when you're interpreting charts or data or whatever, it's about looking at the change the change in trend or looking at what's happening with the trend. And if it's trending upwards. Then, as you say, it's a good thing, but I think likewise, don't get too carried away because businesses are still pessimistic, which means investment won't be great, which cannot be good for our economy. So, yeah, good point to to take the happy side, but also maybe keep our um, expectations in check as well about you know how good things actually are because they're still not not stoked with how things are, and often because they can't find labour, they can't find people to actually work in their businesses too. So it's worthwhile acknowledging that's that's a part of the reason why they're not so confident or not 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 feeling so good with their expectations in the future. It's because uh, of that tight labour market, which is generally a good thing, but for businesses, it sucks if they're struggling to find people to actually do the do the work they need to get done too. So yeah, it's a good one to pick out. Yeah, I just also highlighted there that the inflation numbers are still 
not that great. So firms still really concerned about costs and uh, you know what that might mean for their eventual selling prices. So there's still, yeah, there's just still that uncertainty about inflation and and you know like we were talking about earlier with interest rates, perhaps showing signs of going back up again. Now, can we really say that inflation's under control? I think it's a bit a bit too early to sort of sound the all clear on that, both here and, and globally. So I think that just keeps that that bubbling risks there in terms of of the scope for interest rates to. We obviously know the official cash rate will keep going up, but just that lingering risk there that actual market rates might not have peaked just yet. Um, so, so yeah, there's there's still uncertainty there. We're in, you know, still still volatile times. So just, you know, like you say, look at the positives. You know, keep those positives there, but also there's we're still not totally clear yet. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, actually, just you mentioned there increasing costs, of course, and, and same thing when you talked about building consents. Um, does remind me that we just got our quote back last week for our house extension we wanted to get done. And, um, you know, originally the builder provided a very rough estimate based on a similar job he'd done. And he must have provided that almost a year ago, I think he gave that to us. Um, the official quote that came back this week, now he's got the quotes from, you know, materials and subcontractors and whatnot to get the work done, was almost 50% more than what he told us or what he, what he you know, estimated it could have been. Um, almost a year ago so yeah certainly having that pers- very personal experience now as to you know the potential cost of increasing um you know that's from a building perspective and we know that flows through to broader inflation too so as you say interesting when you find your own uh, personal anecdotal experience of those changes it certainly hits home um, so we've got a bit of a decision to make for ourselves anyway as to what our plan is and and uh yeah where we're going to get the money from for sure <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a shock, <laughs> but yeah, like I say symptomatic of, um, of of what else is going on, and you know we've we've had that we've had that discussion in the past about differences between various measures of of construction, and, and you know that Stats New Zealand measure, which is based on on quotes from builders and 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 those hold times they might be incurring at the moment around different materials and, and how long it's going to take to actually get the project going. So, you know, there's, I suppose there's scope in there for, for all of that to be priced in, isn't there? There's, there's future changes, you know, how long am I going to have to wait for things? How long, what's that going to cost me from the builder's perspective? So, so you know, fortunately, sounds like passing that on too. So, um, yeah, interesting anecdote. Yeah, I think we have to meet with him and just understand the the figures a bit better to understand where it's all come from. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it's all I'm sure it's all standard. Um, but always worthwhile uh, delving into the detail anyway. Um, all good. All right, mate. Well, I'm um, looking ahead to this week then. Um, I suppose I know you've written the draft for a, a, um, a your regular sort of article. We've never got anything else going to media, so you look you've done that on um, the cost to trade up. So pretty relevant for our conversation just there. What would it cost me to move from a a three-bedroom house to a four-bedroom house rather than do the renovations. So uh, we can maybe talk about it in detail next week, but I know that one's coming out this week. So look out for that one and maybe you can give any more high-level overview on that one, Calvin. And the other one later in the week um, will be that we'll get the bioclassification data for August. So understanding who was active in that August month from um, first-home buyers to investors and whatnot, and, and maybe just delve into your expectation on those uh, on that, that data as well. Um, Calvin, and then we can um, yeah probably wrap ourselves up and see if there's anything else to talk about before we cruise on out of here. Yeah, so the trade up stuff is we, we look, we've looked at this every year since I've I've been at CoreLogic, I think every year, uh, and so the idea is it's it's fairly you know it's a, it's a simple indication. Just look at the the gap in median values between properties with three bedrooms and those with four bedrooms around different parts of the country. So a sort of proxy, I guess, for how much it might cost you to to move up. You know, move from maybe a starter home into that to that next bigger family home, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, that's that's the basic idea. And we've looked at 
looked at it through time, how it's changed, different parts of the country. I think the, the really key message is that it's it's still expensive. You know, it still does cost quite a lot to trade up. I think Dunedin's got the smallest trade up premium, but it's it's still quite large. And but it's but it's not so much about. I mean, it's about the level. But in this market, it's about how it's changed as well. So, so looking, has it come down in the past year or so with the change in market conditions? You know, which parts of the country has it come down the most? Uh, and so the, the good news is from people looking to trade up is that it has come down in some parts of the country. So, you know, for people looking to trade up, it, it might be a good time. And you know, we have flagged it up in the past that, or keep in mind that buyers and sellers, you know, owner-occupiers are buying and selling in, in the same market, you know, a lot of the time. And sometimes a downturn can actually be a good time to move around. You might get a might get a bargain on that next property. So, so yeah, some some good news will come out there for, for those people. Um, and, yeah, note you out later in the week. And biopacification, uh, I, I suppose with biopacification at the moment, really key thing to keep in mind is the fall in the overall number of deals. You know, that's... So these are market share numbers that we look at in, in bioclassification, but you have to acknowledge that it's taken place within a quieter overall market. So you know, deals for every buyer group are, are down in terms of numbers, but but then we move on to that market share. And I suppose the the, the I suppose the interesting group in the past couple of months has been mortgage multiple property owners. Just some signs that that number is it's just weakened a little bit, and yeah, we know it's weakened a long way already from where it was. 18 months ago, but it sort of went flat for a while and just decided in the past couple of months that it's it's sort of tailed off just a little bit further. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that's continued. It'll probably, you know, knowing knowing things like this, it'll probably bounce back. But uh yeah, so that, that's probably the one I'll be watching, as well as of course normal what's happened to first home buyers. So uh yeah, look out for that later in the week too. Yep, good mate. Oh, there'll be a good couple of releases to come in the next week or so anyway. Um, cool, man. Well, I think that's pretty much it in terms of data releases and things to look out for this week. The only other thing I was going to mention was that we did the I did that special guest podcast last week with uh, Mark Harris, who's one of the, the the director at Sotheby's International Realty New Zealand. So very much on the, the premium real estate market. And I actually did a presentation to the LJ Hooker and Harvey's conference last week and, and got a question afterwards about what is happening at that premium level to which I could say, go listen to the podcast. Um, but it does operate on its own level. And I think that's it's a worthwhile acknowledgement. Um, and, and Mark himself based in Queenstown. That's where they started up the, the business. Um, so well worth a listen anyway to understand what's happening in that Queenstown market. It kind of does, um, did kind of buck the normal trend in our house price index with the with the data. It did see growth in the month, but in the quarterly measure for Queenstown, it was still down. So I was, I, you know, I'm always quick to say one month not a not a trend. Um, but there's signs that it's that is more resilient and has proven that in that last nine or ten months. While other areas have been falling, Queenstown still remains 20% up year on year. So definitely worthwhile listen to understand why it's so unique in that market and, and how some of that relates to other premium markets around the country. Um, so definitely well worth a listen. And, and, and again, keen to hear any feedback you've got. And uh, and Mark was just a, a great guest and and uh, yeah, very cool to catch up with. And I'm sure we'll be, um, you know, do it again, either in person or, or through a more official method too, to understand what's happening in that market. So that's the end of the one I was going to mention today. Is there anything else on your mind, Calvin, or should I wrap us up and move on out of here? No, that's all from me. Uh, another another interesting week. And, and yeah, we'll see how it all shapes up. Yeah, no, awesome, mate. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your thoughts as per usual, Kelvin. Uh, great to chat on a, on a lovely Monday morning. And thanks very much for listening. Please do subscribe, hit that auto download button, and feel free to get in touch with us. We're available on Twitter, LinkedIn, and our email address is also sitting within the podcast player that you are listening through right now. Just let me say thanks again. My name is Nick. 
He's Calvin. You've been listening to the New Zealand Property Market Podcast. Matewa.